The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Perinatal mental health problems affect up to one in five women during or after pregnancy and they range from mild to severe. That's according to the National Maternity Hospital's latest annual report. More than one in seven women given birth at the hospital last year were assisted by the perinatal mental health team. Mental health services for expectant or recent mothers have been established in all maternity units and hospitals across the country providing specialised support for those who need it. Patient referrals to specialist perinatal mental health services saw a 60% increase since the pandemic and many believe that the level of service currently on offer is not adequate to match the demand. To discuss this and the importance of good perinatal mental health, I'm joined by Ethnony Longford, who is Senior Clinical Psychologist at the Health Service Executive, and by News Talk's own Sue Murphy, who has spoken about her experience with postnatal depression. And Sue, I listened to you talk to Pat about the your own experience of, of perinatal depression on this programme. And one of the things that I was taken by was you describe it as much different to sadness. The way that you characterised it was was almost a sort of a fundamental disconnect. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it does, it does feel different. And now, obviously, I haven't suffered from depression, so I can't give you the ins and outs of what that feels like. But it, it wasn't sadness. It was very much feeling numb. Um, and uh, the like further away I get from that interview, I think I'm able to put it in in kind of more context and better terms. Um. Like at the time when I went for help, um, I have two young children that they're one is three and a half and the other is 22 months. There's about 20 months between them. But I found I was really struggling to just connect with them. Um, I like when this issue came up, they were playing in front of me. And I, I knew as myself, as a mother, that I wasn't connecting to my kids well enough. I was numb. I was uh, tired, very, very tired, as I'm sure most new mothers are. Um, and I was on my own in the evenings because my husband had to work in the evenings and I don't have any family around. And I find that's the case a little bit with um, some women who live in Dublin, like they might have moved up to the city centre for jobs and stuff like that. So they can be a little bit isolated. But yeah, the, the big issue for me was like feeling feeling connection and, and the num- like just numbness. That's really what it was. How did you come to realise that it was something more than the stresses of being a new mother? Because some of the things, you know, the, the lack of sleep, mm. the tiredness, the sense of, of isolation, that the, having somebody who's utterly dependent on you, they are the stresses of new motherhood when you have a new baby. What what was the first inkling you had that this was more? Um, well, it, it had been it had been happening for a while at that stage. Um, I know my husband was was concerned about me. Now he had nudged me in a direction of maybe you need to talk to somebody about this. And I I think the real the real thing that happened to me was that I I just suddenly realised. Do you know what? I actually just can't cope. You know, I couldn't think of the uh, the next thing that I had to do. I I I would like things are happening around me, or my daughter would come in and say. Thomas is after hitting me or something like that. Something like that would happen. And I'd be like, I just can't. I, I, I remember answering her saying, I just can't. And I knew that that was that this was like I, I'd heard about it. I'd heard it get to that point where you're like, I actually cannot even help you. My daughter robots happening. I can't answer you. I can't play with you. And I was like, that's that's something more. That's more than me being a little bit tired. Now, what now? I was desperately tired. I was breastfeeding. So I was up all night. That was part of it. And it's definitely a huge element for some mothers. But I just definitely knew that, that this is this is different. I, like, I've never felt this bad before. Like, I just felt really bad about the situation, about myself. And like like you were saying, it wasn't necessarily sadness. It was just, I, I, I just can't cope, you know. What was your experience then when you did seek help? 
Um, it was incredible. I mean, I'm really lucky with my my GP. My GP is a, a breastfeeding mother as well. And I went into her and she, straight away she was like, <laughs> I know exactly what's happening here. Now, I had gone down a couple of avenues. And um, besides that, I'd been in, in contact with a couple of health lines, helplines. And I just found that that was it. I, I was told at one stage by a helpline to take a break. And I was like, my God, if I could take a break, you know, it, that, that, that was difficult. So I was like, that's not, that's not a, a course that's open to me. But I, what I struggled with was actually finding somebody to take care of me, to, to sit down and have this conversation with, we were in the middle of COVID. So even when I reached out to the hospital and um, they actually helped me and uh, they gave me some sessions. But when I reached out to the hospital, I couldn't actually be in a room physically with somebody at the time. It was all done over phone or it was done over video. I found that quite difficult. And um, at the end with the GP, they actually put me in antidepressants. So we went to that level of, OK, we need to actually just get you out of this hole and then we can start to look at how we develop everything else. Now, for me, it was definitely the right thing. I don't think I would have been able to cope without the antidepressants. They gave me space within my brain to be able to do it. But it, it was that trigger point point of I need to go get help and that was like my GP was the first course of action but really I was really missing somebody who understood the ins and outs of how bad I needed that care and how bad I needed to talk to somebody about what was going on if that makes sense. To use your phrase there Sue at what point did you begin to feel yourself coming out of that hole? Um, so I was on I was on the antidepressants about two weeks when I I like I, I described it in the interview to Pat before as space space in my brain I could I could see what the next thing was that I needed to do, and I know being tired really really clouds that judgment, but I I I just wasn't capable of doing. It. I'm like the house like I don't know people always say forget about the house you know just look after your kids the house was in bits, I could barely think about what the next meal was but suddenly I'd started to just put a foothold in. It was around the same time that um, Tom started to sleep a little bit longer. And um, suddenly I was getting to this point where I was like, OK, things are starting to, to normalise. I can kind of organise things. I know how to get the kids out of the house. And he was a very clingy baby as well. He liked to be with me a lot. So I, I had the, the jealousy issue with the older child as well. But suddenly I could start to figure out how I could deal with that. And I think that was really where I started to go. Do you know what? I have a handle on this now. I bet I can build on that. I wasn't there immediately. It took a while, but I got there in the end and I really feel like I know that medication isn't always the, the answer for everything but definitely the antidepressants gave me that space to be able to deal with that. As Sue has been talking she's been uh, listened to by Ethnany Longford who is Senior Clinical Psychologist at the Health Service Executive. Ethna, how common is the kind of experience that Sue is outlining there? I mean, Anton, it's, it's very common. Um, as you mentioned yourself at the start of, um, of this um, show, one in five women experience maternal mental health difficulties. And actually during COVID, we saw that rise significantly. Some of the research was saying up to 50% of women were were experiencing clinically significant levels of depression and anxiety. So it's, it's, it's really quite common um, at that time. Women who just had babies are quite vulnerable in their mental health and, and need lots of support at times. How well prepared are women for that possible eventuality? Is it something that is discussed in the in the latter stages of pregnancy? Mm, yeah, that's a that's a really good question because often women who I see will come and say, "Look, I'm, why did nobody tell me about this? Why did nobody, you know, give me the signs of what I need to look out for?" Um, look, I think in pregnancy like many women and families and partners are are looking with hope to what will happen when they bring a baby home and sometimes when people even have a difficult say journey through IVF really the focus is on the pregnancy getting pregnant getting through that and getting over the birth and 
we all have an, an idealised and lovely picture of what it will be like when we bring a baby home. And sometimes the reality of that is quite different. Um, and it can be kind of a, a stark uh, time for people. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's hard to think about what might go wrong. Um, and, and everyone is different, I suppose, in that. But presumably it's also difficult to differentiate between those normal stressors and perinatal depression because the challenges of sleep deprivation and all of the work that goes with the new baby, they can be tough even if you are mentally 100%. Absolutely, yeah, they, of course they can. Um, it's it's a tough time, um, anyone who's a parent will know. Um, and I, I suppose, look, Sue articulated it really well there. There is a difference, the time when, look, we're struggling and we have those down days or down weeks where we're or really anxious times. And then when it goes on that bit longer, when we feel we really can't cope, when people are thinking, I, there's nothing in this day or this week that I'm looking forward to or that I'm enjoying, that that connection with other people is really disruptive. And when I, when people are supposed preoccupied with all those worries in, in, in their minds, and I suppose to kind of describe that piece about feeling disconnected, which is really important. And the other piece that we tend to see sometimes are really feelings of anxiety, lots of worries about their people's babies and feeding and all those bits and then also anger so anger is quite common um, among women who've just had babies and really understandable given the lack of sleep and all the stressors and it's a really difficult thing for people to talk about sometimes but that's also one of the signs that we might that we might talk to women about one of the things. How available are services around the country if women listening to this do see some of the kind of signs that you describe in that sense of disconnection, the higher levels of anxiety the anger, are there services available in every community? Uh, honestly, and, and it's hard to speak for forever, but I would say no. Um, it, it's a lottery postcode, like many of our services in the HSE. We, I don't think we've quite gotten it right everywhere. If you live in a big city um, and are connected to one of the, the big maternity hospitals, there's a direct connection to the perinatal mental health teams. And they operate this hub and spoke method where they, they, they give support to the units, say in Wexford and Mullingar and Kilkenny and different areas across the country. Um, and also there's primary care psychology so there's community psychologists in many areas but not every area and their wait lists vary across areas and some places will prioritise women who've just had babies and some people may not be able to do that so it is really um, it is dependent on where you live sometimes but I suppose the first place to go is either your public health nurse or your GP to ask them what are the services in my area what, who can you connect me with because I'm struggling in this moment And if you do access those services Sue was outlining there that in her instance mm. it was a, a, a pharmacological intervention that made a significant difference yeah. for her what's the common course of treatment or support that you see women receiving? Yeah, look, it varies. I suppose often women will, will seek out some one-to-one therapeutic kind of counselling psychotherapy. And that may be from a counsellor that they access privately or in their community. In my area, we run a group for women, um, so a, a postnatal group um, that's run for five weeks. And we run that numerous times throughout the year. Um, and I suppose women enjoy that because what they say to us afterwards is, look, it's lovely to hear other people's stories. It's lovely to connect to other people in the same situation as I am who are feeling these emotions. Everyone's story is different, obviously. But that kind of connection is really important. And I suppose that we know that because social support is one of the high... If we don't have social support when we're given birth, it's a high risk factor for postnatal depression and anxiety. So reaching out, kind of being with other people is really important. When you say social support, you mean family, friends, that, that sense of community? 
Yeah, family, friends. I mean, that can look, I mean, look, there's lots of different types of support. It might be emotional support from a good friend, a sister, a mum, and that practical support. Who's there cooking the odd dinner? Who's getting up, you know, one or two mornings um, extra so that, so that women get a bit of chance to, 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 be, to stay in the bed? Um, so there's lots of different types of support and different people in your life will be able to provide different types of support. But it, it can be immediate and it can be broader in the community. The public health nurse checking in on you, a local community group, um, and maybe that's the perinatal team too. But it's very and I assume ethnic, it can be particularly difficult for new mothers in that there are a few things in life that people want to be as good at as being a new parent, a new mother. And that brings an extra layer of pressure if you find yourself feeling that you can't cope, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Like one of the things we talk to women about a lot is, I suppose, those expectations of who am I as a mum? Like we move into this completely different role when we become parents. And often we, what also comes up, which is really prevalent, is like our own experience of being parented. So some things we might want to continue, we might want to do some things that our own parents did. But we also might want to avoid some of those things. And that, all of that mix and that sense of how can I be a parent and how can I be a good parent and what kind of parent did I expect I would be when we find ourselves at three o'clock in the morning, angry, anxious, worried, that doesn't fit sometimes with that picture we had in our head. And it can be a hard thing to kind of come to terms with. But we we work, we work talk a lot to women about that. And there's this idea of maternal ambivalence. I love my baby, but there are times where really I kind of wish I didn't do this. Um, and it's about allowing women the space to to talk about all of those things, to admit, yeah, this is normal. This is a part of this experience. Sue, to go back to, to you in conclusion, if if you, you describe the, the difficulty in sort of not so much coming to terms, but coming to the realisation of, of how you were feeling in the situation you were in, if you were advising yourself back then now, what advice would you give? Uh, reach out for help earlier and and I think that the, like uh, the problem I had as well was I had my two babies in COVID so my my first baby didn't see another human being for the first six months of her life except the two people that were in the house and I don't think I actually thought about how much of an effect that would have had on me I had no breastfeeding groups no natal groups my friends weren't in the house my parents weren't around suddenly everything was removed from you and you kind of did all of this on your own so when I came to my second baby I was like this is what I do I do it by myself and I don't ask for help. And I think it's a hard admission, like Ethan was saying, to like it's that kind of idea of I can't say these things because I'm admitting I'm a bad mother. And it's not. It's not that at all. It's just it actually makes you a better mother to say, you know, what, I'm not coping and I need some help. And I wish I'd done it a bit sooner because I think I was very far down the line by the time I got to the doctor, you know. Sue, thanks very much. That's our own Sue Murphy and before Sue, Ethany Longford, who is the senior clinical psychologist at the Health Service Executive. And if you go on newstalk.com and on the Pat Kenny show, you can find the podcast of Sue chatting to Pat, detailing her experience of uh, perinatal depression. A reminder, by the way, helpline numbers are available for anybody who is affected by what we've been discussing. Smartens Ireland are on 116123 and Pieta House can be reached on 1-800-247-247. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.